the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It's the Nick D Podcast. How you doing? I'm Nick DeGilio. I am your host of this podcast at the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the greatest podcast network in the world, where you should check out dozens of amazing, informative, entertaining, and funny, and fantastic podcasts, all available at radiomisfits.com and streaming live 24-7 on our streaming channel. You should check that out, man. It's like radio, only much cooler 24-7, great unheard music from unsigned bands, amazing music shows, and unbelievable episodes of podcasts from Radio Misfits, including my podcasts. You can hear this podcast, the Nick T Podcast, every day at 3 p.m. Central, broadcasting 24-7. And you can hear my Saturday Night Live podcast, That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast, every day at 9 a.m. Central. So you can hear those podcasts and episodes of other podcasts 24-7 at radiomisfits.live. Tune in right now. Listen to the streaming. Check out the schedule. It's amazing. Again, really cool. It's just like radio, only cooler. And you can hear this podcast uh, every day, and you can hear my SNL podcast every day, as well as incredible programming at radiomisfits.live. So make sure you check it out. My main man, Ed Silla, is the guy behind Radio Misfits. He does all the great stuff, helps me out a lot, makes this podcast sound as good as it sounds. He's the man. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sounds and the themes and the weirdness and the audio. He's a nut, and I love him very much. That's Jason Skaggs. And we couldn't do it without you. And we want you to be a part of this podcast. You can join us. You can ask questions. You can contribute. You can be a part of this podcast. Uh, just send us a voicemail. 24-7, my, voice li- my voicemail line is wide open for you. We want you to call. We encourage you to be a part of this. So anytime, any day, anywhere, any place, anytime, 24-7, leave a voicemail. 773-417-6948. 773-417-6948. Leave a voicemail now. Anything you want to drop us, email, form, questions, comments, contributions, feedback, anything. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. Hey, you want to be a sponsor? Really easy to do. We got some coming in right now. You can be a part of, uh, of the show as a sponsor. Hey, you got a product or something that you want to advertise with us? A lot of people listen to this podcast. It'll reach a lot of people. So you got something you want to advertise with us? You want to sponsor with us? Write us. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Say, I want to be a part of the Nick T Podcast, and I want to sponsor and buy some ads. Sales at radiomisfits.com. That's how you get involved, and that's how we want you there. And please take the time to check out all our podcasts, rate and review them on every platform. Give us feedback in the way that you do with your podcasts. It is for the people. It's the first Tuesday of the month, the first Tuesday of September. Happy Labor Day to everybody yesterday, celebrating Labor Day. I hope you guys had a great weekend. I had a fantastic busy weekend. I went to go see Duran Duran and Chic and Bastille. And my God, I wish, you know, Neil Rogers and Chic. Uh, Niall Rogers and Cheek, I really wish that he had written a few more hit songs. My God. Duran Duran, I've seen them probably 10 times over the course of like almost 40 years. They've never sounded better. They've never looked better. It was an unbelievable show. Beautiful night outside downtown Chicago, Northern Island. 
Amazing. Unbelievable concert. If you were there, you know how great it was. And if at some point you're listening to this and Duran Duran and Chic are coming to your town, go. That's all I'm saying. Fantastic. Uh, saw They Live over the weekend, the 35th anniversary of John Carpenter's sci-fi satire masterpiece, They Live, on the big screen. Fathom Events is presenting some showtimes. Uh, they, they did it yesterday. I'm sorry, two days ago on Sunday. And they're doing it again on Wednesday. Uh, in the theater, on the big screen, celebrating the 35th anniversary of the great Rowdy Roddy Piper, starring in John Carpenter's They Live. Fantastic. My girlfriend had never seen it before, and she loved it, which was amazing. I was surprised how much she liked it. And then, uh, you know, saw some live music over the weekend. It was a great Labor Day weekend. Fantastic way to kick off the fall, which is my favorite time of year. Now I wish it wasn't 95 degrees outside. That's all I'm saying. But anyway, fall, my favorite time of year. I hope you love it, too. Hope you had a great Labor Day, and we're kicking off the month, as we always do, with a For the People episode. This is when I help you out with my incredible guests, Herb Weissbaum. He is a consumer guy who will help you out with any questions that you have about consumer issues or prices or what's what the quality of, of goods, whether or not you're being scammed, keeping your money safe. That's what Herb is all about. He writes for Checkbook.org. He's been helping people out for over 40-something years. He is the consumer man. We're going to talk consumer issues with Herb. And then... Tom Appel will join us. Tom is our car expert. He is the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive and the host of a great podcast that you should check out. Um, he is a car expert. Any and every car question that you have or automotive question that you have, he can help you with that. And again, write us at uh, nickthepodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 773-417-6948 with any consumer or car-related questions. And the first Tuesday of each month, for the people, we answer those questions for you. So Herb and Tom are on the show. Esmeralda gets the day off as usual, but my dad will stop by and tell a joke because he never stops. The f- every Tuesday, my dad, every episode, my dad, every, uh, every Tuesday, my dad tells a joke. So on Tuesdays, that's what he does. And he has to push this woman Hi, out of the I'm way. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. I know. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, yes. and I love Nick's show. She had a lovely Labor Day weekend as well. Anyway, I hope you all had a great Labor Day weekend. We kick off the month, as we always do, with a For the People episode with Herb Weisbaum and Tom Appel, and we're going to kick it off with our consumer man coming up. But... Hey there. Are you tired of that same old, the same old stories? Well, buckle up because Brian Alaspas Devoured. Yeah, that's right. Brian Alaspas Devoured is about to take you on a wild ride. St. Louis is teetering on the edge with riots, unrest, and the mayor's downright stubborn insistence that the 4th of July must go on. But don't tell that to public safety manager Logan Field. He's got problems bigger than the most overcooked barbecue. With a deadly attack, a missing boy, and mysterious events that make your Aunt Sally's ghost stories look like a fairy tale, something sinister is brewing in the city. Logan's at his wit's end. The only help he can find is a struggling hunter and a professor who's a whiz with ancient evils. It sounds like the start of a bad joke, right? But there's nothing funny about what's awakening in St. Louis. So join the race against time as this unlikely trio faces down an evil as old as time itself. Think your commute's tough? Try saving a city from being, you guessed it, devoured. Brian Alaspa's Devoured will have you laughing and gasping and frantically flipping pages. So grab some popcorn, turn down those lights, and dive into a world where saving the city just might be the craziest 4th of July ever, and trust us, it's more exciting than a sparkler, and the only thing that might get burned is the midnight oil as you read till dawn. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Thrilling, chilling, and the perfect way to spice up your summer. It's available now in paperback for Kindle exclusively through Amazon.com. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Congratulations. 
You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackal. Bob is the consumer man. Yes, he is your hero when it comes to consuming the consumer man. Oh, yes, Herb is your man. That's right. He is the consumer man, and uh, we are lucky to have him. And it is the first Tuesday of the month, and this is just uh, for behind-the-scenes purposes. We're actually taping this on Labor Day. We're recording this on Labor Day, so Herb was kind enough to take time away from his holiday to record with us. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, Herb Weissbaum. Thank you, sir. Well, it's not like I'm going to go outside. As we're recording this on Monday, it is 61 degrees and wow. cloudy in Seattle in the middle of the, in the afternoon. Oh, my God. goodness. I great. wish we had that weather uh, here. It's it's currently like 95 and uh, ridiculous outside. Oh, so man. So. I would rather. So we're both better off inside. So that's that's it. That's what we're, <laughs> we're inside, guys. That's right. That's right. Uh, consumer Man. That's him. He's the Consumer Man. You can check him out on the consumer, ConsumerMan.com. He's all over the social medias. And he writes for uh, Checkbook.org. Uh, tell us all about Checkbook.org uh, and, and, and all the stuff that you've been doing and all that cool stuff, Herb. Sure. Checkbook.org is a unique nonprofit. We rate services across the country. And uh, basically, Consumer Reports does products and we do services any everything from plumbers and electricians to veterinarians and dentists our ratings are for members all of our advice on checkbook.org though the columns i write and all the other advice is free we also have a bi-weekly podcast our own podcast which is called consumerpedia it's at consumerpedia.org and i have a fun time hosting that in between all my appearances here with you nick mm. and um, before we're done i have a special uh, url to give your listeners so they can get some free ratings if they'd like to if they live in the cities where we rate services so we'll get to that in a bit as we always do always okay so make sure you check out checkbook.org and check out that uh, podcast and all the cool stuff and herb joins us uh on the for the people episode uh the first tuesday of each month right here on the nick d podcast so, uh, well, then let's uh, get right to it. There's a lot to get to. We have a sure. couple of uh, questions, uh, one from a subscriber and one from, uh, I have a significant other now. Uh, I don't know how that happens. Yay! Um, but she has a question for you, and we'll get to sure. that in a little bit. But uh, we wanted this to lead with a story because the deadline just uh, just happened. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the leniency on the student loans um, mm-hmm. is over. And, uh, and, and, and when, when did that happen? When did the, the, the leniency period stop? August 31st, the, the three-and-a-half-year payment pause ended, and the first uh, bills will start to being uh, owed. Uh, interest started accruing September 1. The bills will start have to being paid uh, as October. It'll vary for different students. Mm-hmm. But the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is there's this really what I believe to be terrible advice going around on the Internet. A lot of it's social media. A lot of people are just hang, uh, are just honked off that they have to start paying their loans again. Remember, these were loans. You did take them out, and you did know yeah. a loan repay it is they're telling people to boycott their student loan payments uh this is going around and they're basically saying that you know why have to pay your loans if we if we all together 
fight this. This is uh, some Occupy Wall Street people have been pushing this for a while, that if we all decide to boycott together, we'll teach the federal government a lesson and uh, they'll have to back down and they'll have to give us, uh, you know, wipe the slate clean like uh, President Biden was trying to do. Well, Biden can't do that. The Supreme Court ruled that he can't do that. So that ship has sailed. That is not about to happen. And the only thing that's going to happen if you boycott your payments is the interest will continue to accrue. And after the grace period that the Biden administration put into place for 12 months, where this won't affect you if you don't make your payments or you're late in your payments, the only thing he technically could do, it's called the on-ramp to try to help people. After that, uh, you're going to get reported to collections. Uh, It is going to destroy your credit rating. And the government, you know, you're not going to teach them a lesson. The federal government can garnish your wages. So all of a sudden, you're going to start to see smaller paychecks. This is not something thing you want to do. This is not a fight that's going to be won. You are not going to teach the federal government a lesson. And by the way, they say this is not going to hurt the federal government. Well, of course it is. If you're not paying back the money that you that you owe to the federal government, of course it's going to help hurt the federal government. There's going to be less revenue to do all the things we need to do. So this is just from the word go, just really, really bad advice. And if you want to find out more about it, it's on the checkbook.org or the head at the top of my website, consumerman.com. Uh, it's just not something you want to get involved in boycotting your student loan payments. You've got to figure out a way to do this. And as I explained in the other article that's on there, Nick, and we talked about this last month, there are a lot of programs in place for people who can't pay back their loans. Uh, they're based on income and family, not the amount of the loan. In some cases, the payment is zero dollars until you get a situation where you can have more money in the family bank account. But that's the way to go about it. Get, go in, on studentaid.gov and find out your options. Don't decide you're going to join this movement and boycott paying your student loans. Just not a good idea. How does, any, how does anybody think that they, sh- that they could do that? I don't, understand, I don't even understand the thinking, the thinking behind that. I'm too old to understand how people believe things on social media, but when they show up on these things and TikTok things and people write stuff on their on their pages and I, people just they take on a life of their own. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, yeah. Not a great idea. You got to no. figure out a way to pay these back or at least take some steps to get some of the programs available to help folks who can't afford it. And, you know. Yeah. Paying back your student loans is probably more important than having 12 streaming services. Uh, And some of the things that we think are the most important things in the world, maybe we have to put some priorities in place. Clearly, there are people who are unemployed, got clobbered in the pandemic, you know, can't afford things. But there are some people who just are ornery and just decide they don't want to pay these things. It was a it was a deal. You took out the money. You have to pay back. It's true. It's fairly low rate. And uh, that's just, you know. Before I get a lot of hate mail, that's just my two cents. No, on but it. It made, nobody makes sense. I mean, it's like you took out a loan. You should be, you know, and, and and this was temporary. What was happening was because of a crisis in the country and because of a, a health crisis in the world. Um, right. And that's why it happened. Well, that we're past that crisis now, and now it's time to pay up if you still owe money. I don't exactly. understand. I don't understand. You, you, you got a loan. You got to pay it back. It sucks. Right. And, you know, um, it's terrible. And student loans and, the, you know, the, the amount of money that you have to pay to go to school in this country is ridiculous. Right. But, but that's a whole other issue. That's, that's a completely other issue. Paying yeah, your paying what paying what you owe is different than it being unfair or being exactly. stupid. But that's, exactly. anyway. All right. So don't do it. Don't boycott. In other words, Correct. don't boycott it. It's 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 frustrating. And you might uh, you know, you might have to cut back on things, but you got to pay your your loans back. Don't boycott. Bad idea. Exactly. Or look for loan forgiveness. Again, studentaid.gov. Yeah. My article that's on Consumer Man has all the options that are available to you in all the different programs. Yeah. And there are things that you avenues you can go down that route and always check it out right. at, uh, at consumerman.com. Uh, all right. I have a question from a, uh, a subscriber. 
Sure. Uh, Tom, he's in upstate New York. He's a longtime listener. He loves your every time we have you on. Uh, and he knows that he can answer you. He can ask questions to you because you know everything. <laughs> or I fake it really, really no, well. Or you fake it really well. Yes, oh, that's not true. No. I'm on the verge of retiring soon, he says. So I am reaching out for advisors. Locally, there is a quote unquote dinner seminar with so-called retirement advisors. I've read that some of these may be scams. Can you please ask Herb uh, his opinion and advice on this? I will be listening. That's Tom in upstate New York. So he's retiring soon. Dinner seminar with so-called retirement advisors. Yay or nay? Okay. By the way, this is Herb who spent 11 years of his life in upstate New York. I went to Syracuse University. And Look at that. There, so I spent 11 years in the snow. So, hey, Tom. Uh, <laughs> not necessarily scams, but certainly high pressure. You're trapped in a room and you're with people who are going to try to sell you something and try to get you, you know, put a lot of pressure. It's just like a timeshare presentation where they're going to try to get you to commit to something which you may or may not want to commit to. Having a free dinner is no way to pick an advisor, a financial advisor. You need to go and do all the due diligence. There's plenty of articles on the internet about how to pick a good financial advisor. You can start talking to some friends or relatives, uh, search out uh, certain things, uh, the qualifications, but you're going to be trapped in a room with somebody who's who's there give you a, there's no such thing as a free dinner because they're going to try to That's get you right. to sign up so That's some right. of them can be really you know smarmy people and i've done reports on situations where they are with just despicable people in other cases it could just be that's not the way to pick a financial advisor in that high pressure environment so i say if you want to go to dinner go to dinner and if you want to pick a financial advisor do your research your due diligence and pick a financial advisor the two should not cross paths there you go. And that's that's sound advice. That's sound advice. Because once you get in that room, they're not going to let you get out easily. Exactly. And yeah. I mean, some people are there for a long, long time or they oh, just give me your email address or just give me your phone number. And then they start to badger you or whatever. You just don't want to go down that path. That's not yeah. the right way to do it. OK. All right. There you go. All right, Tom. Uh, thanks and for the way, thanks, thanks for also yeah. now retirement benefits. I mean, there's you know what you 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 pick somebody you pick somebody you don't get a free you don't take a free meal and order oh I'll just have the free meal because that's how people wind up getting in trouble. I'll yeah. just have the free meal and all before you know it you're hooked up with this person because they know all the tricks of the trade to get you to sign up with them. Yeah. Okay. Beware. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, thank you for answering that, uh, Herb. And again, uh, if you guys have questions uh, for Herb, who is our financial expert and, and consumer expert, and uh, for Tom Appel, who also appears on uh, this episode of uh, of the show, uh, you can uh, voicemail us at 773-417-6948 for any consumer or car question, or email us at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be happy to share those questions with our guests. So, as I mentioned uh, earlier, Tom, I now have a uh, I have a girlfriend now, um, and uh, I don't do I don't do romantic advice. I'm sorry. No, I know, I, I know. I I, I was going to ask you, you know, about that, but no, I'm going to move on to something else. She has a dog, a lovely okay. dog named Trixie, um, and I know that you're a dog person. Uh, you are a big time a big dog animal person. person. Absolutely, I know, absolutely. And she had a question about stuff that she had read about a certain brand of food that she has. Now, here's the question that she has, and I know that you don't want to sort of recommend a, a, a brand, but you do have an answer to this question. Mm -hmm. And she says, there are so many stories about unsafe dog food products. I give my dog blue Buffalo and have seen conflicting reports about recalls and potentially unsafe ingredients found in its food. And it makes me worry if I am feeding the best uh, food within my budget is Buffalo uh, is blue Buffalo a healthy choice for her. Or are there other off the shelf, affordable dry kibble that I should consider switching to. So as a dog, owner you don't necessarily have to name that but 
you know, she wants to serve her dog safe food, and she sees you know conflicting reports about uh, right. about Boo Buffalo and some some maybe some of the other brands. Right. Actually, we're now called pet parents or pet guardians. Okay, all right. Sorry, I don't want to. I wanted to smack you down. And say, I don't I want you. I don't want her name is Julie, and I don't want Julie to punch okay. me in the face. Okay. That's the last Julie's thing. I want, a, so. Probably a good pet parent. Yeah. Uh, let me. Say, I, I can't recommend a specific brand or trash a specific brand. And quite frankly, there's no right answer for everybody. It depends on the animal. And so the best. Uh, and, but I'll tell you something. You're absolutely right about pet owners. Uh, I was reading on the. Uh, there's a, Great blog on uh, Tufts University. They're nutrition experts at Tufts yeah. University. I would yeah. highly recommend this to Judy and anybody else. It's called Pet Foodology. Pet Foodology. It's from the Vet School at Tufts. They did a survey and they found that, or they reported a survey that they found that dog owners said choosing the right food for their dog was the most difficult part of pet ownership, more important than finding food for themselves, which is says something, but it's probably true. And And you'll see every buzzword on the marketing there's ancient grains and grass-fed and holistic and superfoods and free range and products with no peas or lentils and lisa m freeman who's a board certified veterinary nutritionist for more than 20 years who wrote the story i'm talking to you about basically says and she's right this is all marketing to humans you know they got to market to us and use the buzzwords that appeal to us but that's not necessarily true or correct for your pet right so i, I want to run down if i can a couple of things she suggests she said, do you base your decisions on any of the following? The ingredient list. Many pet owners select diets based on ingredients in the list that sound good to them rather than the diets that are most nutritious and made with the best nutritional expertise and quality for their pets. The most persuasive labels. Most of the information on the pet food label is marketing rather than factual information. Mm. Just because diets contain ancient grains or superfoods doesn't make them the best options for your pets. Three, rating websites. They base their ratings on marketing information or myths, not on which diet has the best nutrition or quality. A little bit of an answer there for Judy about following different things Julie, online. Julie. Julie, excuse me. Julie. Okay. Julie, 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 do you love me? Okay. <laughs> and, uh, recommendations from the pet food store. They may be very nice people, but your vet can give you much better information than you can from the pet food store. Remember, there's a bias there. They probably make more money with the top-end foods than they do with some other foods. Oh, yeah. They may be promoting something, getting paid to promote. So what should you do? Here's her uh, three things to do. One, talk to your vet. That's how I got the food for my dogs, for my cats. I talk to the vet. Sometimes they have very special needs. My dog... Uh, has a, a um, an intestinal tract or a, a digestive system that requires certain things. So we have to get special food for him because when we got him other stuff, he would throw it up. Mm. So that's really important. She mm. said, um, also, if you want to, if Julie or anybody listening really cares that much and has the resources, you could you could schedule an appointment with a board certified veterinary nutritionist to find out the exact needs for your pet. And some of them will even do consultations uh, over the phone, remote or, or on, on Zoom or Skype or something like that. So that mm -hmm. might be what you want to do. OK, do, All right. do is ask important questions about your pet food. Again, most of what you need to know is not on the list. Uh, and so you have to find out, for instance, do they have qualified nutritionists on their on their uh, their uh, board or on their, uh, you know, their employees? Do they um, have good quality control practices? You know, you might want to check with them and tell me what makes your food so good. 
be skeptic about any nutrition advice you get on the internet. There are so many myths. Yeah. This is good. This is bad. Skip that kind of thing. I like the one about talking to your vet. I think that's the best tip uh, that, that, that I could give you. I mean, they really do know your pet. They know the pet's needs. They know the various products and you don't necessarily have to buy it from the vet. I mean, you know, they have pet foods there that you can buy at other places as well. Even if it's prescription pet food, you can get it at, uh, you know, like Chewy's and uh, at Petco yeah. and all those kind yeah. of places. She uses Chewy's. She, uh, yeah. she uses yeah. Chewy's. Yeah. Just have to, you know, give them the prescription. Uh, yeah. And then I sincerely, if you're interested, check out Pet Foodology. I was on there for a while today getting ready for this, Nick, and they have all kinds of information about pet nutrition. It is from experts. Tufts Nutrition, man, they are the best when it comes to human nutrition, and they also have the vet school, which is now looking into all this stuff for pet nutrition. I highly suggest that Pet Foodology is uh, where you want to go with Tufts okay. Nutrition. Pet Foodology. Okay. Outstanding. Well, thank you for that, and Julie thanks you as well, Herb. There we go. And there what's the name go. of the pooch? Uh, Trixie. Trixie. Okay. Yeah. Trixie's going to be happy about that. Lovely dog. Really lovely dog. Um, and so by the way, with one more thing about pets, since we're talking about it, be very, very careful about uh, the chew bones and the kind of things that you give your pet. Uh, I've done stories about this before with uh, my vet friends. Uh, the if it's bones, they can it can break off slivers, real bones, and they can and it can you know go down their throat and it can yeah. cause all kind of problems. Yeah. And a lot of dogs, like my dog, cannot eat. I wouldn't even think of giving like there's, there's antler bones out there now. Well, they're so hard they'll clean the plaque off your dog's teeth. Yeah, they may also break them, yeah. uh, and that's a common problem. Yeah. Uh, I brush my dog's teeth every single night. Uh, we have uh, a poultry flavored toothpaste. He loves it. He gets wow. a treat afterwards. Literally after Jimmy Kimmel is over, he will sit up on his hind legs on the uh, on, on the couch and say, "Brush my teeth, Dad. Brush uh, my teeth, Dad. Brush the piece of turkey." He thinks it's a real fun experience. Yeah. So do that, and then if you want to use like greenies or something like that that helps clean the teeth, yeah. and then you know check with your vet about regular cleaning. And the only proper way to clean teeth, Nick, is with the animal. This is dog or cat to be anesthetized. Any other cleaning cannot do deep cleaning under the gums where there can be all sorts of problems. They can scrape. They can do some stuff. The only way to do a true, really good cleaning, and it's not needed every year all the time, is to anesthetize the, uh, the animal, put them out, and then clean their teeth that way. That's something. Uh, that's another myth going around. Oh, you don't have to do that. You just have to scrape. Wrong. It has to be a deep cleaning when the animal is knocked out. All great, uh, all great advice. Okay, I love, I love my animals. I know you do. That's why. That's why I knew it would be. It would. It would be a question that you would be able to answer. And by the way, if you do the deep cleaning, you want to make sure the vet has somebody who's watching the anesthesiology as well as there needs to be two people in the room. The right. vet doing the cleaning and somebody watching the anesthesia. That's the one problem area that can result. You want two people. And you need to ask: Will there be somebody watching the anesthesia while you're doing the teeth? Right. Okay. All right, uh, big news in the in the Amazon world. Um, <laughs> Amazon is raising the premium minimum minimum purchase requirement for free shipping. Now, this doesn't affect everybody there, but just some zip codes, um, right? So, I mean, I understand this, and everybody loves free shipping. And God, that's a that is a huge that that is a huge reason why so many people are with Amazon Prime is because right. of that. I mean, the free shipping is a huge deal. It's awesome. Um, and so this is a story about there. you have to buy a certain now the limit has been risen where you have to buy your minimum requirement has risen. Uh, but why are they choosing certain zip codes? Do we know why? Well, first of all, Amazon didn't even announce this to anybody. A number of consumer advocates, including my friend uh, Edgar Dworsky at ConsumerWorld.org, was hearing from people looking into this thing. It used to be that if you didn't join Prime, you know, if you get Prime, you can buy anything anytime for free shipping. Right. Which 
course, they love because A, they get money up front and B, it encourages you to buy more stuff all the time because you're not worried about shipping. Yeah. But for everybody else who are not Prime members, uh, it was going to be $25 everywhere in the U.S. Well, now they're starting, they told me, a test, a market test where some cities, some zip codes have a $25 minimum purchase to get free shipping and some cities have a $35 minimum to get free shipping and it's random it's a random test they say and you will not know what the minimum is until you make your first order and click on a product and down in the teeny tiny print on the side it will tell you minimum order for your free shipping is $25 and minimum order for your free shipping is $35 you know it's and interesting I'm sorry her but you one oh. of the, the the visual that you have here I don't know why I find this so ironic and weird is that the minimum in New York, which would be Manhattan, is twenty-five bucks. But the minimum in Brooklyn, uh, you know, is is thirty-five bucks. Uh, so the place where they have thirty-five dollars to throw away, it's less. You know, what I, you know what I mean? Like if you're living in Manhattan, right? <laughs> you know, it's it thirty-five dollars is just a drop in the bucket. But if you're living in Brooklyn, you know, the reason why you're living in Brooklyn is because you can't afford to live in Manhattan normally. <laughs> and and I just a, I find that really weird. Elsewhere, I mean, it, it it's. The minimum purchase is $25 in Seattle, but where I live, just across the lake, it's $35. In Bethesda, Maryland, Chevy Chase, that's pretty upscale areas. Yeah. The minimum is $25, but it's $35 for DuPont Circle. Um, <laughs> oh, man. You know, uh, in Beverly Hills, it's $25, while in Westwood, right next door, it's $35. Isn't and some that crazy? So I don't think it's based on – I don't know what's going on here. Amazon clearly won't say what's going on here. Uh, what my friend – at Consumer World, Edgar said, it, quote, it's unfortunate while consumers are still struggling with inflation, higher product prices that Amazon has chosen to pile on and charge for shipping that previously was free. What I think is going on, just my assumption, because again, and talking to some people, but this is not coming from Amazon, is that a, they're trying to get more people to figure out maybe it'll be better for me to join Prime, you know, figure out if that's going to happen, which, of yeah. course, is the ultimate goal. Or B, they're going to see the people who get this higher purchasing minimum are going to purchase more in order to get the, they're not going to pay. You know, you don't have to spend 35. You can do 25 and pay partial shipping. Yeah. You know, maybe this will encourage and they have all these, you know, they track everything. They know what's going on. Huge computer databases. Maybe they'll say, oh. You know, if it's a $35 minimum, people are going to do that. It's not going to cut business. It's going to improve business because more people are going to be spending more money. The one thing is, that, again, that they just didn't announce this. It was a silent test that people didn't know about. You have no idea what your zip code is on the list and what's happening until you make your first purchase. I came up with what I think is a workaround for some people in certain places, <clears throat> and that is that uh, because it varies by zip code, check out what the shipping cost is in another zip code in your area. For instance, when I was working in downtown Seattle, the minimum would have been $25. Shipping it to work would have been free if I ordered $25. It would have been not free right now if I order it where I live in Bellevue. You know, you might ship it to a relative's house, a friend's house, somewhere else where you only have to order $25 instead of $35. You can just put the zip code up on the top, you know, where you're going to. And, you know, if you're doing that and, and money's important and it's important to everybody, try it out. Maybe you'll be only be uh, have to spend twenty five dollars instead of thirty five dollars. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, I, I thought think, about that on my own. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. But it's it's just so weird. And, and but, the you know, I, I, I your your analysis of this is perfect. It's like. Yeah, you know what? Okay, uh, this is interesting because people are going to spend more money even though they want because the partial shipping is not that much. You know what I mean? Like the right. charge is not that much. 
But, you know, if you end up spending more money, you're going to spend more money be- because you're going to get the free shipping, but you're spending more money anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't make right. sense. And here's an amazing factoid, because I live uh, in Seattle where Amazon. Can you excuse me one second? I just got to yeah, turn sure. my throat. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right. I got a froggy in my throat. Um, <laughs> I live in Seattle, Amazon country, so there's a lot of coverage of Amazon here. And believe it or not, they've been making money off of everything else but Amazon. <laughs> yeah. You know? That, that's so costly to do all this next day and real fast shipping and all this kind of stuff. They've been making money off the cloud and some of the other things they do. And yeah. you know, they've decided that maybe it's time to start making money off of Amazon, the Amazon that everybody buys from, which is why they're letting people go and they're cutting back some projects and cutting back initiatives and are really in a major cost cutting move, not to finishing up some buildings, even here in downtown Seattle, they're building them and they're not going to finish the insides. Uh, so the uh, new guy, Jassy, who took over uh, the, as the head of the organization, um, he's really dedicated now to like, it's time we make some money and, and do some things here. So I think you're going to see a significant number of changes and Amazon always tests things to see how it goes with people. I think this is probably one of many tests that are going to come down the line. So mm. with, uh, and you know, if, if they try to, so to, so, uh, so to speak, sneak them in and not let people know about them, uh, we're going to let everybody know about it. Okay. Now you do have a tip at the end of the article about, uh, you know, shipping to different addresses and zip codes and things like that. You want to you want to tell everybody about that tip? Oh, yeah, we just talked about that. Yeah, yeah, changing it just so that you can like the relative's house or a friend's house or yeah, something like that. Yeah, find another zip code where maybe yeah. the minimum is twenty five instead of yeah. thirty five. You know, yeah. it might like I said, I, if I shipped it to work, if I shipped it to a friend of mine who's just across, you know, I could that I see all the time, it'd be cheaper. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, just so so people know, because it's like the top left side of the homepage is what was mentioned. Um, yes, that's where, where you, can, you, you put in, you know, what, where are you, what location or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I just change. want to make sure people were clear on where to, to, yeah. to do that top left yeah. corner. Right, right up at the top. Yep. Got it. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, so Xfinity has 10G. I don't know what that means. I don't understand any of it. I don't know what it means. Every time I see the commercial for it, and by the way, those kids in that commercial are the most annoying kids I've ever <laughs> seen in a TV commercial ever. So in addition to having unbelievably annoying uh, and grating children in their ads, I don't know what the hell 10G is. and so you're talking about the marketing as you put it so so succinctly mumbo jumbo right exactly what's going on here please that's what everybody was asking i mean i was wondering checkbook writer subscribers wrote me what's going on here and uh you know so and and consumer advocates were going what are they trying to pull here is this misleading are they trying to confuse people so there's two things First of all, everybody knows that 5G, when we see talk about Gs, the average consumer, 5Gs is the fastest speed for, uh, for uh, wireless communications right now. The much overhyped 5G uh, cell network is what 5G means. So you might think, wow, 10G, that's five times faster than or twice as fast as yeah. uh, the 5G thing. Yeah, yeah which is what some consumer advocates are saying. Is that what's really going on here? Uh, or but are they mixing and matching things? Because in the Internet world, I learned, and I had no idea, and I'm a fairly tech-savvy guy, Gs stand for gigabits per second. Okay. So that's what Gs mean in the Internet world. So I finally got Comcast to tell me what their service speeds are uh, for across the country. And as far as I can tell, I'm the only guy they ever told this to uh, because they just give out corporate statements when they talk to you. And I called the guy and said, can you give me numbers here? So Comcast says that uh, in all of its markets, you get 1.2G. So 1.2 gigabits per second broadband service. 
Okay. If you live in 45 metro areas, and I don't know which ones they are, but I assume they're the bigger cities, and they're expanding all the time, Comcast gives you two gigabits per second service. And in most cases, that's just fine. I'm I'm doing my stuff online, uploading down. I have no problems. I don't have latency. I don't have any problems with that. All Comcast customers, they said, and here's where they can say 10G, uh, all Comcast customers can sign up for 10G, 10 gigabits per second service, for $299 per month, plus a one-time fee that covers installing fiber cable from the main Comcast line on the street to your house. How much would that be? What does the average person pay for that? Comcast could not tell me. I'm sure it cannot be cheap. So for most Comcast customers who don't want to pay such a high premium price, they aren't getting broadband speeds anywhere close to 10G, and they won't for a long time to come. And when I looked on the trade group, the industry trade group for the Internet service, it has on there, it has all the the Gs, and it says 10G, future technology. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. So that's why Comcast is saying that it's a leader in developing, deploying 10G, that uh, this is the, the, you know, this is the next generation broadband experience, greater reliability and lower latency for now and for the future. So right now you're in now and 10G for most people is in the future. It's the future. I, it, that's so misleading. That's so insanely misleading, right? I mean, yes, we felt that way. And all the consumer advocates I talked to felt that way, that they're doing this because it's complicated technology. And for one of a couple of reasons, people are being confused. Either they're confusing it with the 5G from the phone or they're thinking they're getting 10G now. When, as I just said, I found yeah. out and I couldn't believe this when I found it out that you can get 10G for $299 a month plus installing a line at your house. That's unbelievable. It really yeah. is unbelievable, man. Yeah. And then they got those kids on those commercials. I can't. Well, I can't. Speaking, may I digress for a second? Of course you can. This is my show. Of course, okay. that's my whole show. Speaking is of obnoxious kids, yeah. and I know what a movie review you are. So I made a two-hour mistake and watched. You are so not invited to my bat mitzvah. Ah, I have not Adam, watched that yet. Uh, her, good. I have not watched that. This is Adam Sandler's daughter. Two daughters. Uh, and, uh, two daughters, right. and and him, uh, and I think he co-wrote it. I've not seen it. You you are not a fan. It was based on a book. All I can say is my review is if you're watching this movie on an airplane and you happen to fall asleep, that's when when to watch this movie. Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to say if you're watching this movie on an airplane, jump off. That's what I thought. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't care. I don't like Adam Sandler to begin with. I'll be honest. I don't know what anybody yeah. sees in Adam Sandler. Yeah. Um, the only thing that was good about the movie is he truly followed all the Jewish traditions. I mean, they actually had all the prayers and the things and what everybody said religiously was absolutely okay. dead on act. So he got he got the bat mitzvah right. It's he just got the, the, right. But yeah. the obnoxiously rich people and all the over the top stuff, which my family members who live back east tell me that's what they do right now. They throw these mind blower. Yeah. I, you know, when I was a kid, we had bowling parties, pizza parties and little <laughs> yeah, dances. Right. And right. now they got mind blower experiences. Right. With, Right. So, right. but the kids are just, they're just all bratty, obnoxious. They're just overly spoiled, bratty, obnoxious kids. So okay. you're going to love this movie. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. I'll put it right. It'll, I'll, I'll, and, I, and I really, the only thing that would make it better is that if it weren't on Netflix and it were actually on commercial TV and I could see those Xfinity commercials while I was watching it, right. that would really. And the female rabbi who was the one, she's from Saturday Night Live. She's one of the current cast members on Saturday Night Live. Do you know and, who she, who she is? Uh, yeah, I can't remember the name, but she's. Okay. Uh, uh, but anyway, um, you, you'll see her. She's got the curly hair. You'll recognize her. Okay. Um, she is so over the top. I mean, she makes Adam Sandler. He's like so mellow in this thing, and yeah. she's like Adam Sandler over the top crazy time. 
Okay. So uh, anyway, right. it's like I have not seen it yet. I've like, I, I, not a rabbi like this. It's funny because I've not seen it yet, and I'm getting mixed opinions. Like some okay. people like you hated it, and some people uh, loved it, and some people are kind of in. It's getting all kinds of. It's getting the spectrum of response right. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see but you know from from a jewish person's perspective i find that interesting you know uh yeah. to see how you know like, at least the accuracy of the bat mitzvah was okay they got yeah. that right okay yeah, yeah. they got all, all that <laughs> they got that right. right okay yeah. all right cool uh you know i mean you know i mean i'm not i'm, I'm not jewish i've never been to a, a bar or a bat mitzvah at all but i do know that like uh six sweet 16 parties were a thing uh-huh. that Sweet 16 parties became ridiculous, like to the point where they were buying oh, cars sure. and all kinds of like it used to be, like you said, bowling parties or like your friends would come over and have a little party or something for your sweet 16. Now, if a 16 year old girl in some places, like especially if you're if you're well to do, if you don't get a beautiful car for your 16th birthday, then, you, you know, that's not good. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So, it's just yeah. Uh, it's just gotten absolutely uh, beyond crazy. Okay. So. All right. Well, listen, let's close here with. Uh, oh, Sarah Sherman is the cast member. Oh, Sarah Sherman. Oh, God, Sarah. She's, uh, I know Cher. I know Sarah, actually. I know her. Uh, Okay. I'm not surprised that she played it over the time. She's not the, she's fantastic, though. She's, uh, she's great on SNL. She's also known as Sarah Squirm. Okay. Um, She spent a significant amount of time here in Chicago doing underground comedy. Um, I, I'm interested to see her, how she plays a. She well, when you her- talk to her, since she's a friend, tell her, I wish I had a rabbi like her when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and she wears very great, and she wears very cool, hip rabbi clothes. There so you go. I'll, I'll I, would expect, <laughs> I would expect nothing less of Sarah. I, right. I would expect nothing. Okay, well, all right, I'll keep, I'll keep an eye out for that movie for sure, uh, and we'll see what happens. Okay, fraud alert. Uh, what's yeah. going on? We got fake apps uh, Fake apps coming out? What's going on here? Yes. Um, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of problems with apps. You know, just because you go to the app store does not mean you get a legitimate, honest, true app or that is not going to do something horrible to you. I mean, we've talked before about flashlight apps that want to steal your contact information and know everything about you kind of thing. That's just the world we live in when it comes with apps, which is why I have the fewest apps possible on my mobile device. I just yep. don't trust apps. Yep. But this story is about ChatGPT, the open AI that everybody is talking about and everybody wants to get in on. It's been such a big buzz. <clears throat> uh, so... Previously to me writing the story, there was there was no app for ChatGPT, even though in the app stores there were apps for ChatGPT. So it started out with the, this is totally bogus and you can't get an app for ChatGPT, but they're in the app stores. And then it morphed into ChatGPT app is now available for both uh, Android and for Apple devices. But what this does is, and there's only one. It's it's you know it's it's ChatGPT, and it's made from the uh, company that created ChatGPT, OpenAI. But there's all these other lookalikes, knockoffs, whatever you want to call it, in the app stores. I mean, bona fide app stores that may or may not have any relationship to ChatGPT. Oh, it's clearly yeah. not the two ChatGPT if yeah. it's not from OpenAI. So when you open it up, you got to look and see who the the publisher is. Some of these may you know, be using chat GPT, maybe associated with some way like that, but they all have AI chat, chat GPT, all this kind of stuff in their names. And the, the, we have in the article at uh, checkbook.org and on consumerman.com, we have all the list of all these different ones. Some of them have logos that sort of kind of look like chat GPT, you know, they all the circle thing going around itself. I mean, there's, they're pretty clever how they do that. Yeah. What chat GPT app will do, by the way, just so you know, is it's going to connect you to the chat GPT account that you set up on your desktop computer or your mobile device. So that's on your uh, on your uh, laptop. So that's yeah. what it's going to do. 
Uh, but again, you just got to be careful and you got to not assume that just because it's in, uh, in, a, in an app store, even a reputable app store, that it's something you want. This is a category. So some of the apps, as I told you, are malicious. They steal stuff and do all kinds of things. As far as we know, uh, Sophos, that's a global cybersecurity company I deal with all the time. And I spoke to them and they consider this to be a category called fleeceware. Fleeceware. Yeah. And it's because what they do is they give you some functionality, maybe a free test for two weeks, maybe a little something going on. And then they say, okay, now you got to pay for it. Do you want to continue it? Do you want to get the full functionality? And that's what they think is going on with this. Somebody downloads the confusing software. They get a little test for a little bit of time, or maybe they get a little bit of functionality. And then they say, do you really want the full meal deal? Well, now you got to start paying for it. You know, six, $10 a month, something like that. We've seen it for as much as $312 a year. And, uh, you know, in many cases, you're not getting chat GPT if you pay this money and you certainly don't have to pay any extra money. What the app does, as I said, connects you to your chat GPT account. So just be really careful about that. Some of them can just be trying to steal your money and some of them can try to be trying to steal your information and some of them can probably be doing both. So you got to be really careful with names, sound alikes. And when you download something, look at reviews, look at how long it's been around, look at how many people have downloaded it and look yeah. at who the publisher is. You want to know that you're getting it from the right source. The publisher information will tell you that. Also, it's really interesting because you show images uh, in the article from Google Play and from uh, and uh, from uh, from Apple. Yep. And I mean, those logos are completely confusing and they look similar. And, the you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. it is it's purposely set up that way so that they look legit and they look similar and they confuse you. So, yeah, like if you're trying to do a, a you know, a PDF uh, a, a app. You know, if you go yeah. on, I mean, you look at some of these things, it's like, you know, you really got to be careful and get, you know, if you're looking for, you know, Acrobat or you got to, you got to be really careful yeah. because they all that it's designed in per by purpose, absolutely, purposely to, to confuse you. So, yep. Do your homework. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Now you, uh, you were going to be kind enough to, to, to give us a URL so that my subscribers and listeners absolutely. will be kind enough to get some free uh, ratings from you guys at yes. consumer at, at checkbook.org. So Checkbook rates services in seven metropolitan markets. Of course, Chicagoland, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philly, and Washington, D.C. And if you go to this URL, checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast, you can get ratings, a free 30-day trial subscription to get ratings in all these markets if you want to check things out. We would love for you to become a subscriber if you live there. That's how we make this thing run. We're a nonprofit. We also get ratings from subscribers. You know that we're legit. We're not like some things where you pay money and get a, a rating. We have secret shoppers. We have ratings from the people that live in the market where we're rating. So uh, again, that's another reason to subscribe because yeah. Papa give these ratings to everybody. But uh, no yeah. obligation. Checkbook.org slash Nick D Podcast, Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C. Great. Checkbook.org slash Nick D Podcast. Always appreciate it. Uh, very kind of you to do that for us. And Herb, always a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you for uh, for answering a couple of the questions from uh, from from our listeners. We appreciate that. And a movie review thrown in as well. That's right. I'm a Adam Sandler movie review. That's correct. You're supposed <laughs> to say to me, muzzle tough. <laughs> exactly. Muzzle tough. No, I didn't do that. I'll get Sarah Sher I'll get Sarah Sherman to record that for you, Herb. We'll see what happens. Got it. Thank you, All Nick. Right. All right. All right, Herb. Thanks, buddy. Take care. You're well. All right, Herb Weisbaum, everybody. Uh, he is the consumer man. Now we get the car man, the one and only Tom Appel. Tom Appel. We're going to talk about costume. Tom Appel. Ooh, automotive with Tom. And his last name, Appel. Oh. It's the czar of car, the self 
Yeah. Uphill. He says your name very emphatically. The last name, Tom. Yeah. Uphill. Yeah. Uphill. So almost, uh, almost one syllable. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, most <laughs> most guys in radio, they like to stretch out words to two syllables. Like I remember uh, Captain Whammo, who was a guy on uh, on uh, the radio in Chicago. He used to have the Whammo line, where you could call up and you tell a joke and you win prizes. And I used to win all the time. Yeah. When I was a kid, and uh, but he would say, "Call up the Whammo Lion," so you'd get two syllables out of one word, out of out of, out of a single syllable word, out of the word "line." Now he was a, he was a guest on your show, correct? He did. Yeah. Wow, man. Yes, he was. I I yeah. used to Im- I used to imitate him. You know, you see, you kept Whammo because all anytime I do like the wacky DJ <laughs> voice, that wacky DJ voice, it goes right back to me listening to Captain Whammo in the seventies. And when I first started doing my own show on, on uh, at the car wash, I would be doing Captain Whammo. And I came in one weekend, and I come into work, and I check my voicemail, and it's, all of a sudden I hear, beep, yeah, it's Captain Whammo. I understand you've been doing an imitation to me. And I was like, what? <laughs> what the hell? Um, evidently, his name is Jim Chanel is his name. Um, he's the guy who plays, he played Captain Whammo. And evidently, his mother was a, a regular listener of my show and told him he was living in Florida. He had retired to Florida and said, you know, there's this guy on at like 2 o'clock in the morning on WGN who's doing this. He's talking about you all the time. So he called up my voicemail, and then I had him on. So uh, Excellent. Yeah, I remember that. I heard, I heard that show. If, that, unless there were more than one show. But I, no, I, I, I think just, it was just the one time. Boy, that goes okay. way back, Tom. Wow. That goes it way does. back. Holy cow. Well, this is the Tom Appel, and we go way back. Uh, yeah. Car expert. Awesome guy, a great guest, one of my favorite guests that we have on, actually, of any Thank guests you. that we have. Um, Purdue, uh, the man who is responsible for and the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive to answer any and every car or automotive question that you have, concern, all that stuff. And we cover all the news and all the greatest and news stories surrounding the world of cars. Before we dive into it, talk first about Consumer Guide Automotive and then tell everybody about your fantastic podcast that you host. Yeah, if you're looking for a new car review, or if you're just thinking about a used car, you can just just search for that here at ConsumerGuide.com. We've reviewed everything. Also, we have our Best Buy picks. That's our picks of the car for every model year. So for 2023, we've picked 30 or 40 of the best cars. If you're you're starting to shop, this list is a great place to just sort of cut your time and just stick to this list. This is the best stuff. And then our podcast, which is live every Tuesday morning really, really early, Here's a secret. This this week's episode's already out. Oh, <laughs> what? What? How'd that happen? What? Yeah, we, we pre-recorded that one. I see. So, yeah, because of the holiday. Right. Uh, but, yeah, every week, uh, Tuesday morning, the Car Stuff podcast, me and co-host Jill Simonello talk about everything that's going on in the auto world. We talked this week with Sam Fiorani of Auto Forecast Solution about Chinese cars that are going to make it to the U.S. or North America, yeah. about the, the big UAW strike. Uh, uh, that's the big deal. And then Jill has driven the Sierra 2500 Denali Ultimate, which is a $100,000 pickup truck. Holy cow. A hundred grand. Yeah. A hundred grand for a pickup, Tom. Did you ever think in a, in a million years that you'd be like, yeah, that, that, how much does that trip pickup cost? hundred grand. I didn't, I didn't even think that 15 years ago. Yeah. And then all of a sudden pickup trucks got crazy and people started driving them as personal use vehicles. And then they just got luxurious. It, it was a very weird thing to happen, but what, we can blame Texas. So why? Okay, let's talk about that. Why? why are we, we can blame Texas for a lot of stuff, but why? what are we blaming them in that regard? 
Oh, Texas, for one thing, very rural, very open, and people down there just like to drive pickup trucks as, as personal use vehicles, yeah. and that's fine, and it works for them too. You don't have cities. A lot of people don't live in cities that you have to park in, so it's it's not that complicated to do. But as as things change, people just started buying more expensive and nicer pickup trucks, and yeah. the ceiling on the price cap just kept going up. I talked to a Ford a Ford marketing guy once, and he says we can't find the top price on a pickup truck. It's crazy. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Well, look, if someone's going to pay $100,000 for a pickup truck, they're going to charge $100,000 for Yeah, yeah. they're going to build that truck. Yeah. Man, oh, man. Is there a large group of people? Is there a, a, a good part of the population who will spend a hundred grand on a pickup? In this case, it's called the Denali Ultimate. It's a version of the of the GMC Sierra, and GMC's already a little bit upscale. Um, I, they're thinking the market penetration, the take rate on this vehicle, might be about five to ten percent. So not yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. But certainly worth building. But enough, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, and the uh, podcast again. Uh, it's a new one dropped this morning, Tuesday morning. Yep. The Consumer and, uh, Guide Car Stuff podcast. You can download it anywhere. Download it anywhere. And I was a guest on it. And I ha- I want to say that I had such a lovely time. It was a couple of months ago, and it was just great. Yeah, and, uh, and it was I great having you. Uh, was we'll have great. to do that again soon. I would love to come in and do it again. I just had a great time. Excellent. It was so much fun. Excellent. So anyway, all that great stuff, consumerguide.com, Consumer Guide Automotive, always really great stuff. And always, uh, Tom, as part of Consumer Guide Automotive, you guys test drive cars and do reports on them, which is one of the great things that you guys do. One of the major things you guys do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I always ask you, what have you been driving? And every time I talk to you, you are in a brand new vehicle and yes. you've only driven, basically, you've only driven, every time I talk to you, you've only driven it to the McDonald's in Palatine to get iced tea and driven it back. <laughs> that's, that's essentially what you've been, so what are you in now, and have you driven it more than just to McDonald's? That would have been the case, however, because today's a holiday, I didn't oh, it get is a, a holiday. vehicle today. Oh, yes. right, okay, okay. So I am driving for one extra day, okay. the Nissan Frontier Pro 4X. This is Nissan's midsize pickup truck. Uh, which is a nice truck. It was a consumer guy Best Buy for 2023 in uh, Pro 4 or Pro 4 Pro-4X trim, which is a little wacky. It's raised. It's got crazy brush bars and, and big wheels and tires and uh, skid plates all over the place. It's made for serious off-road use. Um, I did not get to the Palatine mud patch, but but oh, no. uh, but around town, it's very nice. Okay, and it's the Nissan Frontier Pro 4X. Yes. Do they just at this point? Do they just take words and numbers and put them together just for the hell of it? Is that what is that what's happening? It's basically that, yeah. And then if you're doing something seriously off roady, you just have to throw a four or an X in there. If you and if you use both, then it's serious. Yeah, right, exactly. So this one's serious because there's a. It's not only four and X; it's a damn pro. It's a pro four X. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. This wow. is serious. Yeah. It's a good. It's a. It's a. It's a but but it's a good car though. Uh, it's very good. It's fundamentally a good pickup, and if you're looking for something that looks sporty and, and you occasionally actually hit the trail, this yeah. is probably a pretty nice ride for you. Gets pricey in this trim. It's forty six k. Well, that's not a hundred grand. Hell, no. I can no, afford. I can not. get. T- I can get two of those for the price of the uh, <laughs> the price of the other one. My God. So no, t- you did not take it out to the to the mud pit in, uh, I in did, Palatine. I did not. A lot of cops there hanging out, and I don't want to explain <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, you don't want. You don't want to do that. You're a professional, Tom. You don't want to explain to cops why you're peeling out in a bunch of mud in the middle of a Thursday afternoon or something. Yeah. Uh, What'd you drive before the Nissan Frontier Pro 4X? What were you you in before that? And and tell me a little bit about that. 
another Nissan, and I was super excited to drive this because I've been dying to drive this thing for like 18 months, and COVID quashed it for a while. Okay. The, the Nissan Aria. This is Nissan's well, full electric I'm sorry, how's it, how's it spelled again? The spelling is terrible. It's okay. A-R-I-Y-A, but it's pronounced Aria. Okay. So like, like a musical aria. Yeah, but it's exactly. Spelled, but it's spelled wrong. They throw an extra a, a Y in there for no particular reason. Yeah, this looks like a prescription drug when you see it spelled out. But, but, <laughs> okay. But it's actually a super nice electric crossover. This is about the size of the Nissan Rogue compact crossover. This is a really good electric application. It's quick. It's nice, roomy inside. One of the nice things, too, about electric vehicles that are designed to be electric vehicles is because the battery is under the floor, but there, there is no transmission tunnel. There are no exhaust pipes going from the engine to the back of the car. You can get a very smooth low flat floor which is nice for interior space easy oh, to wow. get in and out of the I car never, can be slightly lower yeah i never even thought of that i thought so the battery is located the charging thing is located in the bottom of the of the vehicle then it's actually yeah the floor usually most cars just have a rectangular battery maybe 14 inches thick underneath the car and then there's no other stuff that's down there anymore yeah right you don't, you don't need that stuff wow i never even thought of that i mean wow that's crazy does it, I mean, does it, I mean, does it, you ever look under the car? What does it look like under the car, under a car like that? Um, it looks basically the same. You just don't see the pipes and, and, and uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Exhaust stuff and the mufflers <laughs> yeah, and the, the yeah, exhaust yeah. pipe and, and yeah. yeah. And the axle. Yeah. Yes. That was so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks about the same. It's just there's there's no there's no drive shaft, there's no exhaust pipe, there's no transmission tunnel. So it's very smooth. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. It's cleaner, which is good for aerodynamics too. And you kind of need those with an electric car. You want yeah. you want That's smooth airflow. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I didn't even realize that. But no, that there's none of that. All that stereotypical stuff under the car is not there. That's weird. Nope. That's weird. It is weird. The future is strange. It is. We live in it, and it's weird, and I don't understand <laughs> it. I'm, frankly, I'm terrified of it, so there you go. Um, all right, cool. Uh, before we jump into uh, some of the stories that you guys have been covering, some of the news at consumerguideautomotiveandconsumerguideautomotiveandconsumerguide.com, uh, 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 and then, of course, we have to get to Star Spotter. Yeah. And, and, of course, you know, obviously, Mystery Show, which are uh, hashtags that you're making very – they're trending because of you, Tom. <laughs> um, we'll explain what that is in a little bit, but I got an email from someone. It wasn't like a basic, it was like a, like a quick basic question. And this was a question that you and I have talked about in the past, but I, I wanted to just, to just talk in general about first cars. Yeah. Like the first car you ever had. Now, first of all, let's, what's the, what was the, we've talked about this before, but for a reminder for people who might not know, or maybe not, didn't hear that discussion that we've had before. First car you ever had, Tom. Uh, the first car I had was a hand-me-down Pontiac Ventura. Okay. Which, which, for people who don't know what that is, it was basically a clone of the Chevrolet Nova. But the first car I purchased was a 1985 Volkswagen Scirocco. Okay. Uh, now, first car you had hand-me-down, right? We've all had that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And but that, but the Scirocco, how'd that work out for you? Incredibly well, and it's a funny story because when we went to go, my dad went with me to shop for the for a car, and the first one I looked at was an Alfa Romeo uh, Graduates, oh my Spider God. Graduate, which oh is my really God. basically the car from the movie The Graduate. It's a small Alfa sports car, and my father looked at me and said, "I'm not going to drive you around when this is in the shop." So that was dead. <laughs> and okay, all right. We went to West Suburban Imports, which used to be in um, um, Westchester. 
Illinois. I don't know where that's at. I think that, that dealership's closed. But we found the Scirocco. And in those days, there was no internet, so you just had to shop around and go to used car lots and check the newspaper. And my dad was really upset that I was buying a foreign car, but he did approve of that purchase. So for $6,600, I bought a 1985 Volkswagen Scirocco. And that went really well, Nick. That car went... Uh, in my care, about 140,000 miles. Wow. Uh, one transmission, one clutch, one set of brakes, and like 10 batteries. It was, wow. it was really a good car. That's amazing. Wow. That's really, I mean, you got, you worked, you, that car worked for you, man. It did, yeah. And I could do all that work. Well, I, the transmission and, and the clutch, I couldn't do myself, but all the yeah. other stuff I could do in the driveway. Wow. Oh, that's great. That's really cool. Okay. So your, the, the hand me down car was fun. The first car you bought worked out for you 85 yeah. Volkswagen, uh, Scirocco. Yeah, great okay. car, beautiful car. Now, um, uh, have you ever? Do you ever ask people what their first cars are? Like when you're hanging around, when all the people that you've worked with in and around Consumer Guide, do you guys ever talk about? Yeah, the first car I ever had. And, and is there a? Here's a, a general question. I don't know if I've ever asked you this, Tom. Is there a brand of car that is most popular for the first that you buy? Do you know what I mean? Like, is there a car? Like, it's your first car. Why don't you get one of these? Are there certain models and certain types of cars? that are best to buy for someone buying their first car? Uh, in, in, in the auto world, if you're an enthusiast, and especially if you're an auto rider or in the industry, almost all the guys, especially if you're older, had Volkswagens first. Is that right? And, yeah, overwhelmingly. And, and, is, and there a because, reason, is there a reason for that? Yeah, Volkswagen was really enthusiast-friendly in the 80s, and people might remember the GTI the Volkswagen GTI, yeah. uh, which first emerged in the early 80s. And it was basically a Volkswagen Golf or a Volkswagen Rabbit, as it was called in the U.S. And it was seriously sporty. Sports suspension, nice little red happy engine, manual transmission. The cars were lightweight. And they were just a little bit tippy, too. The, the, the suspensions weren't overbuilt, so there was some lean built in. So they were really fun to drive and just yeah. a little bit dangerous. You could get into trouble if you weren't careful. Yeah. They were the perfect cars for guys who loved cars. Oh, that makes sense then. So, so Volkswagen overwhelmingly, and in, 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 in enthusiasts and collectors and things like that, that's kind of the first car. Yeah, and then a yeah. generation later, you were younger, you were in Subarus. You were in Subarus? Yeah, the WRX was super popular with guys younger than me, which was a high-performance version of the Impreza. Okay, okay. Very reliable. Okay. Um, my first car was a, uh, well, I mean, the first one that I ever had that like on my own, I, I drove my parents Celica a lot when okay. I first started driving. Uh, Good but the, the, but the first sort of car that I ever had was a 77, we talked about this, a 77 yeah. Firebird, the Firebird, uh, which ended up in the, in the, in the damn garage more, you know, the, the mechanic <laughs> did on the road, man. I can't, I mean, you know, a 77 Firebird, you're going to bring that damn thing in every week. And, we we uh, talked about that. The Van Nuys factory that built the Firebird was known yeah. as the lowest quality factory in North America. And of, and, of course, that was my first hand-me-down. Of course it was. <laughs> of course it was. That piece of crap. But I drove that thing into the ground. I drove all my cars into the ground. The, I, you know, I've only had three cars. I mean, I had the Celica, and then I had the, um, the, the Firebird, and then, of course, my 86 Ford Escort. Oh, I didn't know about the Escort. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I had yeah. an 86. But let me tell you something, Tom. You want to pick up chicks, get an 86 Ford Escort. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lady magnet. Oh, my God. Oh, the ladies were just, I couldn't keep the women off of me when I had my 86 hatchback gray Ford Escort. Oh, man, I'm telling you. Uh, and I drove that damn thing into the ground. It was an 86. I bought it in, in 90. Okay. And I had it, to, I had it for 10 years. And, uh, and, man, I drove that damn thing. I mean, seriously, Tom, victory auto wrecker. 
I, they came out to get it. Did, did they give you two bills? They, here, you know, uh, uh, did I ever tell you about me giving my – no, I guess I haven't because you didn't know about no. that. No, because the car that I had the longest, the car that I drove the most, that I had the longest was my Ford Escort. That was the car that I had the most. I guess we talk more about the Firebird because it's a cooler car. Yeah. You know what I mean? A Ford Escort. Oh, that's exciting. You had a Ford Escort. That's really, you know, Jesus. And, and you know. Jim, Jim Rockford yeah. had a 77 Firebird. So he did, exactly. It, so immediate, Immediately cool. Of course. So I'm going to talk about that car because it was goddamn cool, even though I spent like thousands of dollars to keep that thing fixed. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, no, but the Escort, I drove that thing forever, and it was, it was a great car. Um, but uh, what was my point? It was like a, a um, but yeah, no, anyway, I drove that thing forever. I did. I was going to say something about it, and I can't remember what the hell it was. Uh, I said it was a, like chicks loved the, the Ford Escort, didn't I say that? And, you no, did. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember now. But anyway, but the Ford Escort. Oh no, Victory Auto Records, right? Yeah. Okay. So I, I actually did. You know, I, the car was a. At this point, I mean, I. You know, it was just a. You know, it was a piece of crap at this point. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get rid of it. And the Victory Auto Records. I called Victory Auto Records to come out, and I, I mean, everybody's seen. You know, the commercial. Everybody knows yes. the commercial, you know. And I mean, you know, and uh, just, that old car's worth money and all that crap. And, you know, the guy opens the car, the door falls off. <laughs> and the dude from Victory, you know, the, the dude from Victory Auto Records shows up, gives you a couple of pens, and it gives you a couple of bills. And the guy who's selling the car has, like, a very thick leather uh, wristband uh, watch on. That's you what know. I remember most is that yeah. watch band. Yeah, the watch band, like the, the big, thick leather watch band. <laughs> And so, yeah. like, uh, and then, you know, uh, and I don't know, you, you know, I actually, did, did I ever tell you that I interviewed the guy who played, the guy who sold the car? I remember this. I interviewed yes. that guy. And on the yeah. anniversary, it was like, I don't know, like the 20th anniversary, because nobody expected that commercial to be anything but to run for like two months or something late at night. It was just done on a lark, you know? I mean, clearly there weren't writers involved, you know, I wasn't like... No. No. So, so this guy, you know, um, so this is like the 20th or 25th anniversary of the debut of the Victory Auto Records classic local commercial. And I, I wanted to talk about it. And I found, you know, they did an article about it. So I called the guy up who played the dude in the commercial who sold the piece of shit car. And, and he was like, not a happy guy. Cause he's like, I'm tired of this. Cause he doesn't, he gets recognized all the time. <laughs> As the idiot with the with the with the giant leather wristband, you know what I mean? Like he's that guy, <laughs> and he was grumpy. He was so grumpy. I remember interviewing him. Like, hey, and I can't remember his name. Hey, it's Jim from the Victory Auto Records. Hey, Jim. He's like, hey, that's great. Thanks a lot for interviewing me. I'm really thrilled. And he was not happy at all. And uh, he, he was perfectly cast for that commercial. Well, I do mean, you know what? He looked the part. I. But do you know the story behind this or no? No. No. Okay. Here's the story behind this. He worked at video uh, at video. He worked at Victory Auto Records. He was a tow truck driver at Victory oh. Auto Records. And he came into work one day dressed like that. He just walked in and they went, "Hey, we're shooting a commercial down the street. Go, you're the guy in it." <laughs> and he literally, Tom, showed up to work in that outfit. That's what he was going to drive the Victory Auto Records tr tow truck around in. And he showed up and they said, "Hey, before you actually get behind the wheel of the truck and start towing cars, Oh, we're shooting this stupid commercial. Why don't you just be the idiot, and, and you're going to have a door fall off your car. It'll be great. And so that's I, what he wore to work. That costume, that was not a costume, that was that guy's real wardrobe from home that he wore to work. 
I get the sense too that was a one take commercial. Oh my yeah. god, are you? Yeah, and no, I, I yeah. got the story behind it. He's like, yeah, they did a couple of takes with the door because I guess the door didn't fall off right the first time or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a, and it was, <laughs> and it was a buddy of his who played the tow truck. They were both drivers. They were both tow truck drivers at Video Victory Auto Wreckers. And so the guy who actually gives him the two bills was an actual coworker of his. So they just came to work one day, and then suddenly they're in this commercial, and then 25 years later, you know, he's known as the idiot with the wristband, you know, and, uh, and he's not thrilled about it. He was not thrilled about it. <laughs> but I remember when the, when the actual Victory Auto Records guy showed up to my house, because you got to clear your car out. Okay. Uh, completely. You can't have anything in the back seat. You can't have any, you have no garbage, nothing. you got to clear out the trunk unless there's a spare in there. But everything has to be cleared out of the car, everything. Nothing in the glove, nothing, maybe the title, if you got the title or whatever. But nothing in the glove, nothing in the back seat, nothing on the floors, nothing in the trunk. So, or, yeah. or in my case, the hatchback. And so I, it took me nine hours to clear all the crap out of, my, out of my car. Because it was like, if you wanted to go into my Ford Escort at one point, you could actually go, oh, I see how many fast food places you've been to. Because they're all thrown, it was all thrown in the past. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, Tom. We, uh, when I sold cars, I sold a car to a guy that had no intention of buying a car that day. And it was an Escort, actually. Oh, really? He went, yeah, he went from an Escort to an Escort. Uh, and, and he was a school teacher. I remember that about the guy. But he had no intention of selling the car and had not cleaned out his car. But he bought the car. I gave yeah. him a great deal. But I remember yeah. him pulled up to the window of the dealership, both cars, his new car and his old car. And he was just shoveling crap out of his old car into his new car. There, there was no sorting, no organizing. Oh, that's, just... that's the best, man. That is hilarious. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Just put all the shit from one car into the other car. That's yeah. fantastic. That's so fun. But I had so much crap in my car, so you got to clean it out completely before they take it. Interesting. And, and so Makes I cleaned sense. it. I cleaned it all out, and I threw the garbage bag. And then the guy, the guy finally shows up, and I walk out, and I'm like. Um, he's like, all right, um, you got the keys and everything. I'm like, yeah. And, I, and then I, I, I'm about to open my car door and I go, Hey, it's going to fall off. And the guy looked at me like, Jagoff, it's not like I've never fucking heard that before. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, you think you're the first guy to do that? And then, you know, like, um, when I gave him the keys, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not wearing my thick wristband. And he's just looking at me like, you just need to shut up right now. Because it's like, I'm thinking I'm the first guy, you know, to ever, Say that to him. The guy hears it 15 times a day, I'm sure, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the door's not going to fall off. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> Just give me the keys and get out of here. Um, that's like, you know, when I saw, um, uh, uh, why, why, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, uh, the, he, uh, James Cromwell. Ah. I saw James Cromwell walking down the street in Chicago, and we were crossing paths, and I go, hey, that'll do, pig. And he looked at me like, why don't you just shut up? Because I'm just like, <laughs> like, like, I'm saying it as though he's never heard that'll do pig before, you know? <laughs> and of course, James Cromwell hears it 55 times a day. And I said it to him. Now, you would have said Star Trek something. You would have said something Star Trek oh, yes. to him, right? Oh, yes. That dude yeah. invented warp drive. There you go. See, now you would have yeah. said that. And I went with that'll do pig. That's the difference between <laughs> how cool you are, Tom, and how much of a dork I am. I went with that'll do pig. So, no, but my first car... <laughs> My first car, yeah, the, the, my, the first light car that I had was the Firebird, but the first one that I actually went out and bought was the, uh, was the Escort. Um, okay. And it was, a, it was a reliable car. It was, you know, I mean, I, I enjoyed the Ford Escort, I got to say. I have nothing but good things to say about the 86 Ford Escort that I had. 
Yeah, I don't think they were bad cars. They were yeah. they were a little unrefined. I think they went the distance. I dated a girl who had an eighty five and a half Escort. Okay. There was like some weird what? update mid year. <laughs> So that was actually the model year, 85 and a half. Are you serious? I'm serious. So maybe my 86 was the improved 85 and a half. Maybe that's it was. what it was. Yeah. That's what, okay, all right. Yeah. So she had, she had the test vehicle for my car. That's what Basically, I'm going to think. Basically, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the beta version. Like there, needed, yeah, like there needed to be a beta version of my 86 <laughs> Ford Escort. Oh, God, that's so funny. But it's interesting to talk about first cars, you know, like people's first cars. Uh, it's always a conversation that's 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 fun to have, um, you know, because when you hear people's first cars, you're like, you had a what? Um, so uh, anyway. All right. Uh, so I, that that came up in a conversation. I thought I'd remind everybody what your first car was. So anyway, I love that you sold an escort. Did you sell a lot of cars? Were you good at selling cars, Tom? No, I was terrible. Why was, was that? Terrible. Uh, I, I couldn't do it. It, it. The necessary manipulation of other people, and it was the expectations were greater. This is in the early nineties. Yeah. And the Ford Explorer had just come out, which was super, super hot. So it was easy to make money doing this because the Explorer was so freaking hot. But yeah. Uh, uh, but just the the expectation that you not let people leave, that you close yeah. the sale on that day, yeah. and yeah. that you get more money out of them than you need to. Yeah. That just all really wore heavy on me. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, that's the thing, Tom. You're a good guy, and I don't think you're cut out to. I mean, that's why, like, when you know, when I asked if you how how well you sold cars, that was, uh, and like the, the the deal you gave the guy on the escort, that was a good. That was actually like an honest good deal, correct? It was a fine deal. The thing about that is, it's hard to get ripped off on an escort because there's no margin anyway. Like, <laughs> right. like the the window sticker price right, right, minus right, any right. rebates is yeah. probably a pretty good deal because the, there's no margin there. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's an yeah. escort for God's sake. It's a Ford Escort. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you weren't a good salesman. That makes me feel better. About <laughs> uh, My life would have been very different were I good. I think so. I think if you were yeah. Rudy Russo, and if you were Rudy Russo from Used Cars, it would be an entire. If you were the Kurt Russell character from Used Cars, it would be an entirely different you would have gone into you would have been a senator so that's, uh, yeah. that's, that's so <laughs> exactly. all right well let's get to some of the uh some of the stuff you guys have been covering or stories that are interesting that are happening in the world of cars consumer yeah. guide automotive uh what is this what's going on in the branding in mexico this is the headline that you that you sent me i scanned the article a little bit tell us all about what uh, what's going on there ford stealing names what's happening here <laughs> This is a fun story because people don't know this, and I didn't know this. This is okay. this is funny. So oh, yeah. Ford sells the famously popular F one fifty, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they sell six, seven, eight hundred thousand of these things a year. They're super popular. Yeah. Everyone knows what a Ford F one fifty is. Funny story, in Mexico, um, uh, the buyers are a little bit different up here, and they don't make the positive association with work trucks that we do, right? A, a guy from, from I don't know, Texas buys a Ford F-150, and he's got a cool truck, and even if he spent 80 grand on it, it's still rough and tough, right? It's a work yeah, truck, so exactly. that's the cool association. Yeah. And Mexico buyers don't like that. They want something removed from, from the work truck thing, so they don't call the nicer pickup trucks down there F-150s. They call them Lobo. Yeah. Who knew? So, yeah, so the cheap, wow. the, the work trucks are F-150, but when you get to higher trim levels, the brand changes and it becomes the Lobo. So there's a Lobo XLT, a Lobo Lariat, things like that. So the Lobo name is the pickup truck name down there in Mexico. Who knew? This is where this gets interesting. Ford uh, in North America, in America, used to use the Lightning name on sporty versions of the F-150, but they now use the Lightning name for their electric pickup truck. So they need a name for a sporty truck next year. They're going to steal the Lobo name from Mexico. That's the story. Oh, 
Wow. Now, this is not the same Lobo that's saying, I'd love you to want me. It's not the no. same. Okay. Entirely I, different. Okay. Entirely. I just thought maybe the, did they named the truck after the guy who's saying, I'd love you to want, <laughs> I'd love you to want me? Because that would be fantastic. It's fantastic if that was the origin of why they called the Lobo the Lobo. It could be named for Sheriff Lobo. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I like to think that it's the guy who's saying, I'd love you to want me, or I'd want you to, I would love you to want me. That would be fantastic. That would be better, yeah. So now Ford wants to rip off Lobo. They are. Now, they're still going to use it in Mexico, but the big news is that we're getting a, a new model up here. So That's... Uh, this name was registered with the, uh, the U.S. Uh, uh, trademark office. So we know they're going to use it, and everyone thinks that this is the name that's going to be applied to a new truck next year, and might be very popular with Mexican folks up here in the uh, in the states. So that's what they were trying to do. They're like, okay, let's grab a certain crowd, you know, who know the name Lobo, yeah, or fans of I want you to, I, I want, I'd love you to want me. Then uh, that would be the. <laughs> that's right. Uh, the one hit wonder Lobo uh, yeah. from the set from the. I think he only had one hit. I think Lobo only had one hit. Um, if I'm not mistaken. All right. So, uh, so Ford, now we're going to see some Lobos in an effort for Ford to try and touch a certain demographic. Yes. And, and to name a sporty vehicle because they've ran out of good ideas, I guess. Now is the Lobo going to be a version of the one? Is it essentially the 150, but with the name Lobo slapped on it? Is that essentially what it is? Yes, and then it'll be a little sportier. So it'll be lowered, uh, probably sports suspension, probably yeah. only available with one or two engines, and probably kind of a kind of a sportier cabin. But yes, basically just a regular F one fifty. Okay. All right. Well, look for that. Look for the Lobo. Yeah, you your, heard it uh, here first. You heard it. Here <laughs> first. You heard it here first, and it's not named after the guy who's saying "I'd love you to want me." That would that's to, not to the same. best of my knowledge. No, <laughs> the best of it. It could be. Maybe if we do a little digging, <laughs> it could be. Okay. Um, now, t tell me about this story about Bill Mitchell. This is a great story because yeah. I just learned this myself. But, okay. But Bill Mitchell, legendary, legendary General Motors designer. Okay. And and he designed such things as the first. Um, the first Tornado, uh, the classic Oldsmobile. Oh, it's a coupe. great car. That's yeah. a great car, yeah. And the first Riviera, similar car, just a yeah. giant swoopy coupe. Yeah. So Bill Mitchell was a legend at General Motors, but but his legend kind of wore out, wore out, and and by the by the middle of the seventies, by the end of the seventies, he was pretty pissed off about what was happening to General Motors cars, yeah. specifically downsizing, which was necessary because the first OPEC, uh, OPEC oil embargo hit in seventy three. Sure. Uh, and and then oh, the world God. freaked out, and American yeah. buyers freaked out, and downsizing had to happen. And in fact, General Motors downsizing was really effective. Uh, but Bill Mitchell was, was mad, and his great quote was, "Designing a downsized car is like trying to tailor a suit for a dwarf." So. That was a Bill Melcher quote. <laughs> Very PC. Yeah. Uh, but, exactly. he, but he would go on, he would go on to design a car kind of un, unknown to anyone in General Motors management that, that he wanted to build for himself. He was close to retirement. Uh, and, and he just wanted to design something, not worried about what the buyer demographic might be or, or economic conditions or, you know, what was going on in the marketplace. So he designed something that was called the Pontiac Phantom. And it is the craziest looking car and so completely out of step with the late 70s. This debuted for 77. He finished it for 77. And it is yeah. this giant, heavy looking Art Deco chrome, chrome clad uh -huh. coupe. <laughs> that is so completely out of touch with 1977. <laughs> and in fact, if you look at some of the presentation art from General yeah. Motors, yeah. you think this might be from 67. Oh, man. Um, 
even even the outfit the woman standing by the car was yeah. wearing. Yeah. And <laughs> interesting things happened because Bill Mitchell was totally totally flying solo on this one. Pontiac took their name off of it. They the Pontiac division wouldn't let him call this the Pontiac Phantom. So at some point it became just the Phantom. So he brought it to General Motors Milford Proving Grounds to, to share with General Motors management. <laughs> and the guy that was running General Motors production at the time saw yeah. the car and ordered it removed from the lot. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. So would they remove it from the lot then? What happened? That was it. That was that as was far it. as the car ever that went. Was yeah. it. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, my God. It, so whatever, what, whatever happened to Bill Mitchell? He retired shortly after that. And yeah. a lot of people don't know the story. And I didn't know this story until I just started poking around trying to find another uh, concept car to write about. And oh, man. This thing is ridiculous looking. And yeah, it's actually, it is. It's got kind of got a modern front end with rectangular headlights, but the rest of it is just swoopy and heavy looking. And it's a, it's yeah. It's insane. So Bill Mitchell, oh, get it off the lot. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Have this thing removed from the lot. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, right. so that, a little ugly bit of history that not a lot of people know. So yeah. there you go. All right. Boy, we're breaking all kinds of stories. Lobo, Bill <laughs> Mitchell. Oh, my God, the Phantom, everything. Amazing. Uh, okay, the Cadillac uh, Escalade has gone electric. Uh, you, you, we've been previewing this a little bit talking a little bit about it what's going on with this what's the latest on this yeah so the, the escalade the the least efficient car in general motors entire product line is going to go electric for 20 less 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 efficient than the phantom oh had the phantom been built had, probably, okay. <laughs> there's a very good chance that that would have had the honors <laughs> okay so this, this is sort of a funny story because it, it you think that the, the Escalade, the, the new Escalade is actually a completely new vehicle. It's it's not based on the gasoline-powered Escalade, though it looks like it, which it should. And it's called the Escalade, Escalade IQ. Uh, <laughs> and that's to add an IQ to the end of it because Cadillac's going to all IQ ending names. Uh, the oh. Lyric, the Celestic. And they didn't know what to do with Escalade, so they couldn't call it a Escalade Ick. So it's IQ. That's so ridiculous. Oh, it is kind God. of ridiculous. Okay, all right. Also ridiculous is the <laughs> fact that when you think electric vehicles, you think you know modern, green, and efficient, but in fact they're advertising 450 miles of range, which is really good. Yeah. Especially for such a big vehicle. But it takes 200 kilowatts of battery to do this. <laughs> to, to put that into perspective, that is three times the battery size of the battery that's in the Chevrolet Bolt. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's probably, it's probably 2,500 pounds of battery. It, it's... <laughs> well, that's Cadillac, right? Doesn't that yeah. make, isn't that consistent with the Cadillac product you know, over it's the years? It's perfectly consistent. But yeah. it, it, but you, just it's it's just so counterintuitive to the whole oh, green movement. Of course, completely. Instead of wasting gas, it wastes electricity. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, it's so Cadillac. Yeah. So what's 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 the projection on this? Are people going to get this car? Is it going to sell? I mean, is that is are we going to be using up battery space all over the place, all over the country? Is that what's going I, on? I th I think it may sell very well. It's 130 grand, which is a little expensive, but the Escalade gets up to 110 anyway. And because it is a premium vehicle in a segment that is very popular, people yeah. do like large crossovers and, yeah, and yeah. large SUVs, especially luxury versions of them. I think it'll sell pretty well. Uh, and, and 
luxury owners, you know, wealthy people can afford to put a charging station in their house. They have standalone homes. They have garages. Yeah. So I, I think this is destined for at least decent sales and sure. might be very popular. Okay. And we'll keep an eye out for the Cadillac Escalade. <laughs> IQ. <laughs> IQ, yep, IQ, so ridiculous. Okay. All right, uh, one of the fun things that you do on social media, on Facebook, and so on and so forth, there's a thing called Star Spotter. That's what, that It also thrills your wife to no end. Um, <laughs> that's when you sit in front of the TV and you watch old shows, most of them westerns, and when you spot a star, you uh, click a picture of it, yes. post it on your social media, and you go, hey, look who was on this show, and so on and so forth. Now, you've got some good ones. In yeah. the past, because, you know, we talk once a month, and in that month, you get some really quality stuff. But this time, man, you, you, you loaded up on some stars. Some stars were popping up. Who were some yeah, of the stars one. that you spotted? Yeah, who were some of the stars that you spotted on so, Star Spotter? One of my favorite things about Westerns is, is, is the casting of Mexican characters. And, yeah. And uh, uh, Noah Beery, legendary dad of Jim Rockford on the Rockford Files. Right. Rocky. Yep. yep. We knew him as Rocky. Yep. Uh, Rocky played... <laughs> A Mexican comanchero on Rawhide. I can't even. And I can't even. His his Mexican accent accent is among the worst I've ever heard. I can't. That's just so ridiculous. It was as if he he was intentionally mocking a nation. It's it so, was. <laughs> I can't imagine it. Oh God. Um, I just remember Noah Beery as Ro- as Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't he always like he'd come he'd come over to 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 Rocky's trailer or something no jim lived in the trailer but yeah, he come jim in, lived he, in the trailer and but he come home and like wouldn't every episode like uh rocky was always tied up and gagged didn't they always like tie up his dad for some reason he was like tied up or something like, <laughs> rocky got in a lot of trouble he yeah. did rocky got into a lot of trouble man and jim always had to get him out of it so uh, yeah although jim uh, used to always hide out at rocky's house he did Putting Rocky in peril. Exactly. So a lot of it was Jim's fault. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But now here's Noah Beer. You want to see him do a terrible Mexican accent. That was on uh, a Rawhide. All right. Who yeah. else do you got? Who else did you get? This was a good one. Very young Christopher Lloyd on Barney Miller. You got to love that, man. Yeah. Barney Miller that. runs on FETV every night at like yeah. 11 in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I love Barney Miller. I do too. It's great. great. Show. And that's a show that is ripe with possibilities to spot other people. That show right. had, I mean, my God, it was like a revolving door of actors that we, actors and actresses that we've seen over the years. It's incredible. Yeah, there are probably four or five people arrested that are brought into Absolutely. the squad room. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. and, and they're all people you used to see on Westerns, for example. Yeah, yeah. And Christopher Lloyd, he played a vandal? He, was, he got arrested on the show? Yeah, the episode was about, uh, while, while the, overnight, the, the squad room. Yeah, uh, the fifteenth precinct had been vandalized, and he turned out that Christopher Lloyd was the vandal. Ah, I and, see. And he had a thing. He had a thing for Barney Miller because Barney had written him a ticket when Barney was very young that made oh, him wait for a job interview. I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's cool. All right, Christopher Lloyd on Barney Miller. Now here's one, Arnold. <laughs> Arnold Stang. Um, you can explain this. This is on Wagon Train. Explain another another really uh, uh, non-offensive uh, role. <laughs> <laughs> this this may have been the most racist thing I've seen on TV in years. Okay. Arnold Stang, who turns yeah. out was the voice of Top Cat, if people remember that that Hannah and Barbara cartoon. I remember the cartoon. I forgot that Arnold Stang was the voice, though. I, I guess I had forgotten that. I thought it was Phil Silvers. I, I did, like too. 40, Honest to God. For 40 I did years, too. I thought yeah. it was Phil Silvers. Me, too. Me, too. But Arnold Stang, who's a little goofy-looking guy, uh, I call this the role of a lifetime, yeah. played Ah Chung on Wagon Train. Yeah, uh, a Chinese traveler heading towards San Francisco. Because you know, when I think Chinese traveler, I think Arnold Stang. That's for sure. Oh, 
Oh, his oh, accent was so God. brutal. Oh, <laughs> it's so offensive. It's so crazy. My girlfriend and, course, and I, my, my girlfriend and I watched uh, this thing on YouTube uh, le- just last night called uh, uh, "Offensive Commercials from the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Yeah, yeah, and it was just ridiculous. I mean, it was unbelievable the stuff that they got away with it. Like one of the flavors of an, you know, like the powdered uh, drinks like Kool Aid uh-huh. with Goofy Grape. You remember Goofy Grape? I do. Yeah, well, there was also, I don't know if you remember this, there was also Chinese cherry. And I'm oh. not even going to, I'm not even going to get into what Chinese cherry looked like. I'm not even going to get into that. But yeah, but yeah, it's amazing. Like, you like, we were watching these 70s and these commercials from the 70s. These are like from less than 50 years ago. And you're like, oh my God, I, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I'm reminded of Ferrara Pan candy. There was uh, a yeah. Cherry Chan was yeah. one of the. I don't know yeah. why that was the thing. It's ridiculous. Okay. And then Jack Lord on Gunsmoke. How was his hair? Uh, it kind of was big. It yeah. kind of was piled up high. Yeah, but he was yeah. good. Oh, He's yeah. a good actor. So okay. he just played uh, like a bad guy with an attitude, and that went perfectly well. Okay. And that, now some of that you've that – you, really quickly, what are some of the ones, the more recent ones? Because you, you posted a couple yesterday or the day before. Uh, this one was a stunner because you don't yeah. usually associate him with anything else. But Ken Curtis, who is Festus. Yeah, on on Gunsmoke, one of my favorite TV characters of all time, Festus, was on Rawhide. So basically, wow, Ken Curtis was cheating. He was cheating. He was cheating on Gunsmoke. Now, did he play a, a very similar character to Festus? No, he was playing no. a very sleazy outlaw, okay. a very crafty sleazy outlaw. He's a good actor, actually. He's got yeah. some range. Okay. He, now, there was another one uh, that, you, that you that you saw. Yeah, Ellen Burstyn on The Big Valley. Yeah, how about that, Ellen Burstyn, man? She's the best. It was a good story too. She she had some history with Heath Barkley, yeah. but then became a nun. They lost track of each other, and then they catch up. And yeah. Heath finds himself in a position to protect her, still romantically interested in her, but she's a nun. She's a nun. Oh, see what happens. That's not yeah. good. That's like that's like change of habit where Elvis is interested in Mary Tyler Moore and Mary Tyler. So yeah, she's a nun. You can't do that. I can wow. crack a terrible joke now. Okay. Yeah, you could, but we've already uh, offended everybody okay. with the, with right. the Chinese yeah. stuff we've been talking about in the first place. <laughs> Uh, then you do a thing called Mystery Show, Off the Rack. I got to say, Ed Asner, Eileen Brennan, two people are amazing. I don't remember this show at all. Off the Rack, and it aired from 84 to 85 for one season? Yeah, and, and the uh, I watched a scene from the show, and I've seen the opening credits, and it doesn't look very good, Yeah, which is interesting because it's directed by Noam Pitlick, who's sort of a legend of... Uh, yeah, of, of directing really good comedy. So I don't know. Well, what I mean, happened he di- to he, dire- he directed a ton of Barney Miller. Uh, yeah, Barney Miller like, um, and Hogan's Heroes. Yeah, and he also was the first partner. Uh, he was the first white cop of of Smitty and uh, and Hoppy uh, on um, on Sanford and Son. He was the oh yeah. He was the first one. He was Smitty. It's Smitty and somebody else because Hoppy was the other guy. Hoppy was the other uh, actor. He was the first white cop with the with the black and white uh, uh, cops that were on the show. Okay, okay. He was the first. He was the first white cop. That was Noam Pitlick. Uh, he played that. He played that part on on Sanford and Son. So, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if the show just didn't get the time it needed to, to materialize. Yeah. Um, okay. Because off the there's rack. a lot of talent there. A lot. Yeah. Completely. All right. Well, we'll look for off the rack. All right. All right. Uh, uh, anything you're looking forward to writing about uh, for the next uh, um, for the next. Uh, 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 consumer guide automotive the big news is uh the detroit auto show is coming up so before oh yeah we talk again the detroit auto show will have happened uh this is back on they're still calling it the detroit auto show or they're calling it that again 
yeah. which is a good sign. It's back in whatever they call Cobo Hall. Uh, I forgot. It's it's branded now. Yeah. Uh, but it's back there. So this should be a close to traditional auto show. There's a lot of early rumors that it's going to be very small and not very interesting. So okay. we'll see. But the, the uh, redesign, not redesign, but a fresh and Ford F-150 is going to debut. And that's always big news. Okay. And it's not a Lobo. It's just it, a regular. We might see the Lobo. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. okay. That's we might see the Lobo. Okay, yeah. so you're, you're heading out to Detroit, and we'll get a full report uh, at the beginning of October. That's correct. Okay. Tom, always a pleasure, my friend. Everybody check out ConsumerGuideAutomotive.com. And, uh, Tom, always a blast. Thanks, man. Thanks, Nick. Uh, I take care. That's Tom Appel. He's great. And you know what? Oh, my dad's trying to get in right now. He's got to tell a joke. Come on in, Dad. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Ah, oh, yes! Here we go! That's right, it's Tuesday. Uh, nothing stops my dad from uh, coming in and telling a joke. Not even this lovely woman. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. All right, my dad is here to tell a joke because it's Tuesday. All right, Dad, hit it. Doctor, doctor, I can't see my wiener. Doctor said you need to diet. He said, why? What color is it now? <laughs> Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. and Yeah, okay, yeah, all right. I don't even know. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. Oh, my God. Um, no words. Hey, next time on the show, Jen Bosworth Ramirez is going to join me. Uh, the fantastic Jen Bosworth Ramirez is going to join me on Friday's show. Actress, storyteller, writer, performer, former assistant to Nicolas Cage. Amazingly funny woman. John Bodsworth Ramirez is going to join me for the Friday show. And Esmeralda Leon will be back, and uh, we're going to be talking about more celebrity rumors and much, much more. I thank you for listening. Again, if you want to be a sponsor, you can do that. Contact us, sales at radiomisfits.com. Say, I want to advertise on the Nick D podcast. Uh, be a part of the podcast just in general. Leave us a voicemail 24-7. It's open, 773-417-6948. Email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the music and the sounds and the themes and the weirdness. My thanks to Ed for everything he does and everybody at radiomisfits.com. Uh, and rate and review all of our uh, all of our share and rate, review, all that cool stuff. And we'll see you next time. Also, make sure you go out and buy a copy of Brian Alaspa's Devoured. You can also get it on Kindle at Amazon.com as well and so much more to talk about and hang out with the next time we see you. And thank you for listening to the Nick D Podcast.